What, they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real lightweights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your hosts Jordan Betts and Mike Men. Man, it felt good to hear that intro music. How are we doing tonight, Mike? Doing fantastic. It's been uh, over a month since we were. I don't. When is the last time well, we were? I haven't been in the country for. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been here. Um, so things have been great. Um, a lot going on here in Kane's land since unfortunately getting swept uh, by the Florida Panthers in the Eastern Conference Final. I think we'll briefly touch on that, but the real meat and potatoes tonight is kind of an off-season primer as we gear up for the draft tomorrow night and then NHL uh, off-season really begins in earnest uh, July 1st with the opening of free agency. Um, you know, in the end, I think the attrition of the you know the injuries, patches, fetch, etc., um, kind of just wore them down. I I know Rod got bashed on a little bit for this is not a sweep. Well, okay, it is, but I, I agree with the sentiment there. Um, those games were much tighter. I mean, every single game was a one-goal uh, game. Could go either way. It's a coin flip. Uh, in the end, though, I, I don't think either team was getting past Vegas. That was a, a heck of a cup run for those guys. Absolutely, and to go back to the Rod Brendamore statement, imagine working like a stressful, hard 12-hour day after you work ridiculous hours for an entire season, going up on the podium, being upset with the result, trying to sum up how you feel. I mean, he what uh, like what you said, what he said was accurate in feeling, but yes. not logically like how it came across. Yeah, so. I, the result is what it is that's an absolute yeah right? and in that sense he was 100 incorrect but the nuanced understanding the game watching it uh it was much tighter than your traditional sweep would be um i, I do quick aside speaking of rod another travesty year uh once again not elected to the nhl hall of fame um Brilliant. really bizarre class in my opinion um, but eventually it, it does seem like he's starting to get some major voices in the media behind it, uh, recognizing that this is, uh, as I said, a travesty. So uh, hopefully next year for our guy, uh, unfortunately, uh, as he mentioned a few years ago, I forget where was the source, um, you know, wanted to do these things before, you know, certain things happened with his family and you know, the tragic passing of his dad. Um, that won't happen. But eventually Rod will get in and uh, I think we make the trip. Yeah, absolutely. We will be there supporting him. And yeah, it, it's very sad news. And it was honestly, as a fan, upsetting because you have to feel terrible for him. Uh, he's been strung along for all this time. And it's not even like you're looking at who's being selected and being like, well, it makes sense. I mean, they elected a bunch of goalies this year. and Borderline. Borderline. <laughs> it, it, but we all know that most of what happens in professional hockey on an award and recognition level makes zero sense. I, I think the perfect illustration of that is Monday night. And um, I believe it was a Mike Foreman tweet that you referenced. Um, and I, I don't know it verbatim, but it's basically, you know, how do you have the number two team in the league, Eastern Conference finals appearance, 
no players up for any of the major awards and the coach isn't even up for the Jack Adams. Like it, it's an impossibility. Um, one of those things has to be true. And um, I think you could make a very uh, effective argument that it's the coach and Hey, the players are very good, but the system has seemed to elevate uh, even when we've, you know, had our gripes with it and, you know, maybe we'd like to see him play a little bit more wide open, but it's hard to argue with something that works and, and he's the absolute dude. Yeah, and I mean, even look at a scenario where probably even more re- uh, or more likely, I'm, 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 I'm blanking right now, but more deserving of winning an award, it, it should be the Jacob Slavin Award, the Lady Bing. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You're trying to tell me that that dude isn't the exact definition of the Lady Bing. He should have five, six, seven of these by the time his career is up. And he's going to end with one. End with one. Maybe two on like later in his career. It's just one of those things where, and the only way some of these guys start winning awards, and, and part of it is, at least for the forwards, just baseline offensive production, the system they play, it's just not going to be there. But speaking of Slavin especially, it's some of it is notoriety and market. And we know that with Rod getting into the Hall of Fame, guys throughout the history of the game. Like if, if Rod's career um, fully took place in Philadelphia instead of just half of it and he had the same level of success there, he's already in. Yeah, you know? I would agree. If this is a Canadian market. He's already in. Um but yeah, I mean, we don't need to go on that diatribe. We got a ton to get to tonight. Um, you ready to, ready to dive in? Yeah, I'll make one last point because I was frustrated about this. Is I, they they post this whole article and it's like why Rod shouldn't be in right now? And I don't remember who posted it because it was Trevelli? just I think so, and it's just garbage because it's it's the same people are like, well, the stats matter when they are paint the picture you want them to paint, and then the stats don't matter when it's not the graph that you want to see. And they're sitting here, and one of their things was like, well, you only won two Selkies. And it's like, That's well, a- why do you think that is? <laughs> do you think he only deserved to win two Selkies? That's my real question. If you go back and watch Rod Brennan Moore's career, you tell me that he only deserved two Selkies? So don't bring that up. It's... It's a recycling issue. Why is Rod not in the hall? Well, why didn't Rod get more selfies? Yeah, the, the argument is uh, falls in upon itself, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that's my rant. It just frustrates me. It'll happen one day. I fully believe that. Hopefully that year is next year, um, and we'll be there for our guy. So plan tonight, as I said, let's kind of prime up the offseason, talk through kind of where the Canes roster stands at this moment, uh, preview what they will do with some of their pending RFAs and UFAs, Maybe chat a little trade targets, some rumors, um, and just speculate uh, and do our best to prognosticate with some level of um, correctness. I don't know. Whatever. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. We haven't been behind the mics in a while. It's a little hard. <laughs> so where we stand right now, and to give you guys a little behind the curtain, we have the current Canes roster up with the RFAs and UFAs removed. We labeled each player. We gave them either an untouchable, a safe, an available, or you know, gone uh, note. And basically in the untouchable category, we have Svechanajo. I think those are pretty safe on the front end. On the back end, Jacob Slavin. And Brent Burns is, is pretty close to that as well. It would be a shock if he was not in Carolina next year. Uh, we also feel pretty good about Jarvis unless it is a, a big swing on an unexpected um, high-end forward. 
Uh, Turbo we have is available. KK safe. Natchez as safe, but it wouldn't be so surprising if he was included in a package uh, more so uh, than even Jarvis because Jarvis has the cost control. Martinook safe. Uh, Stall is basically unmovable at this point. He he might even be labeled untouchable. Yeah. Um, after re-signing for your deal uh, to keep the captain here, uh, really for the duration of his career. Uh, we believe Jury's gone. Uh, Steph Nason, we expect back. Uh, Piotr Kachekov back. Um, and on the back end, well, that obviously goalie, but on the back end, we're projecting only one of Shea or Pesh back, and it sounds like with the Pesci news that he will likely sign an extension, and we do expect Jalen Chatfield back. So that's kind of where we're at. Does anything stand out there to you? Do you need to explain any of those, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them are pretty straightforward. The reality at the defensive end is they're not going to lose Shea and Pesci for free, like you mentioned. Things have taken a turn where it sounds like Pesci is trending more towards an extension, but until it happens, they're both on the market, in our opinion. Uh, haven't seen much speculation around Shea's name. Pesci... Been really quiet there. Really surprising. quiet. Pesci is cheaper for the year remaining, which makes him maybe a little more appetizing for a team to take on. He's also a right-handed defensive defenseman that kind of checks a lot of boxes. So he maybe has a little bit higher of a trade value, and it may just simply boil down to being right-handed. Yeah, that but because Pesh- Shea is coming off the high goal production season sure. um, that runs a little contrarian to his career production so maybe people are not buying that to me if they Shea especially feels like as the the canes would say um it's like their in-house rental you know where they would just kind of ride it out for the remainder of the deal if they don't find an extension um i i but they won't lose both for nothing and they're too savvy to do that i, I think pesh has been more so rumored as the piece dangled out there for maybe a Nylander or something to get that going um, but at the end, it, maybe that was all just leaking to posture within the media because it sounds like he's going to come back. And to me, how do you how do you feel about that? Like I, we love Brett Pesci as much as we joke about Adam Gold loving Brett Pesci. Yeah. Um, and, and no disrespect to Adam, I just think it's funny. It's his favorite player. Um, to me, you're kind of in a scenario where. He is what he is, and I don't think you want to necessarily overpay for that, um, but you also don't want to lose him from the lineup. The term and injuries are my concern. Ultimately, we're, we're kind of at the precipice of, hey, this is your core. This is your window. Um, I think he's a guy you want to be a part of that, but this is the offseason where those decisions are going to start getting made. Yeah, absolutely, and I I would echo your sentiments regarding obviously he's had the injury issues in his career and he's aging out in the sense that he's on the second half of his career at this point. And it is really tough to commit term to players that have injury problems. Um, you simultaneously, you look at a guy like a Brent Burns who takes fantastic care of his body and he's playing into his late thirties. So I'm not saying it's not possible, but I do think the Canes are doing the right thing by posturing and letting it be known. Pesci changed his agent going into this negotiation, so there's been a lot of posturing on both sides. Um, expecting a big deal, you look at some of the other deals that have happened, 
and you realize that the market is kind of high for a guy in Pesci's position. And the reality is for it to work out, you ultimately need it to be a team-friendly deal. I mean, that's kind of where the Canes are at. Um, I, we'll get to the stall deal a little bit later, but it's kind of in that ballpark where you're going to have to make it work so that the team sees themselves as being in a competitive window. A lot of people look at the Canes as, as cheap and bargain hunters, but they have a plan in place to put together the best team you can as close to the cap ceiling as possible. Yeah, it's, it's hard to call them cheap when they spend to the cap every year. And I've reached the point where I will no longer rebuke the front office for um, the deals they make or guys they let walk out the door. I mean, they, they have earned that level of trust because they can they keep fielding winning teams and they do it you know differently than anyone else. But when they set a stipulation on a player, you know, a price point on a player, you almost have the trust at this point. And, and I don't think... Brett Pesci, as much as he's brought to this community and this hockey club, uh, seems like a great guy, all reports, but he's not the one you break that cycle for. He's not the one you break the bank on to potentially jeopardize the core. Um, we've met or we've allowed uh, more talented, bigger names, higher producers walk out for free. Um, and at the end of the day, it, if there's a cost, and I think you're going to see a lot of trades, and maybe he will be involved in one, but um, there's a cost for defense, and Carolina has not been super willing to do that in the free agent market. Um, but we'll see how they handle this as a homegrown guy and guy that's meant a lot to the franchise. But at the end of the day, I'd, I'd be a little leery with term and amount. And I would also say this, and I'm not saying this is my perspective on Pesci. I think Pesci is a fantastic player. I would love him to be a lifetime Kane. He's phenomenal. I don't think it's going to be at the high-end market value. If if you're either chasing cups or you're chasing bags, it's one of the two. Right. And I have, and I would well, have no, no problems. Yep. Would have no problems with Pesci deciding I want the bag, but I don't want the oh boo hoo. The Hurricanes wouldn't pay him. There's two different priorities. Management's priority is to build a team to win the cup. If the player's price point doesn't match into something that they think allows them to have that p potential, then good on them for doing yep, that. And they and, can go out and yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I would just hope that there's transparency on both sides. So if Brett says, hey, I, I do want the bag, um, hopefully they can trade him and get get an asset or two that can be impactful on the team this year. Um, but Carolina is certainly not the only team going through these types of decisions right now, having these discussions. Uh, that's why speaking of his, you know, playing partner, uh, Brady Shea, a little surprising how quiet it's been over there on that. It, do you think that's, hey, we want to see if we can tackle Pesci first and then we'll reevaluate? Or it's just they feel more comfortable with where they're at in Shea? Can you speculate on that at all? I have a, a really tough time with there being no noise on that. And maybe it's because the only left-handed defensemen we have in the or NHL ready are Slavin and Shea. And you've got Burns. If you bring back Pesci, you have Chatfield. We're, we'll get into it in more de detail later. But the potential of adding D'Angelo back into the lineup, it's a lot harder to move a guy when 
if you love to play three lefties and three righties, it's going to be really hard if you're starting with one left-handed defenseman when you already have three other right-handed defensemen if Apeshi were to move. And maybe it's just simply the market isn't as big for Shea. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I totally agree with that. I think Pesci is probably the more valuable of the two, like I mentioned. But I think Shea is also a fantastic defenseman that's done well for many years. Yeah, took, in the took strides last year and a guy that you want in your lineup. Um, but at the end of the day, that this is kind of what happens. We knew this offseason would kind of be an offseason of change um, to keep the core intact and kind of decide who's going to be a part of the I won't say the next core, but who's going to remain a part of the core as we go into this, you know, second window of uh, the Carolina Hurricanes under Rod Brennamore heading into what year six? Jeez, there's already been that many. Yeah, yeah. 2018. Yeah. Jeez, uh, 2017, 18. Um, so, any final thoughts? Kind of on the back end, we, we spent a decent amount of time talking about Pesci and Shea. Um, do you want to jump into D'Angelo? It's kind of a natural fit right now. Um, the, the news being that Carolina and the Philadelphia Flyers have an agreement in principle uh, to trade uh, Tony D'Angelo back to Carolina uh, for a mid-level prospect uh, with Philadelphia retaining uh, 50% of the contract. So it would be Tony D'Angelo back to Carolina on $2.5 million, obviously represent a significant cap savings. It's a guy um, I think we're all familiar with Tony and all the, um, well, if you ask Twitter, all the baggage that comes with him, um, what I'll say, I'll, I'll keep it focused on hockey, not his politics or background, or any of that stuff. Um, the hockey part of it, guy has his flaws defensively, but it's also a guy that, and plus minus is not the best stat, but was a plus 30 when he was here. Now, he won't necessarily be playing with Jacob Slavin, but it's a guy that can drive offense, um, produce one of, I think it was the second best uh, offensive season by a defenseman in Kane's history by points. Um was apparently beloved in the locker room and the coaches really respect him. I, I would kind of disc in my evaluation, I would kind of discard anything that happened in Philly last year. Um, they were an absolute train wreck and um, clearly he didn't play his best. Uh, that does not mean we ignore his flaws, but this is a player they're familiar with. Um, but I'm curious if the deal gets done. It, it's kind of a um, collective bargaining issue. The, a trade can't occur within the year because it's actually flagged as like circumventing yeah, and cap it, circumvention. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have my doubts that by July 9th, Carolina will not have made another trade uh, and thus will uh, no longer be needing the services of Tony D'Angelo. But if that is your primary slash fallback plan and he is in Carolina, you could be doing a lot worse for 2.5 million. Yeah, and if we want to circle back to the conversation we had earlier about Pesci, when you look at players the Canes let go, they let Dougie Hamilton go for more than for nine plus, and I don't think he's played up to that contract value the entire time. He's better this year, but that's fair. But still, I don't think he's he was worth nine million, and these are the years you expect him to be worth that contract. And I'm not hating on Dougie, but. That's totally fine. And you look at D'Angelo, and he would absolutely still be a hurricane if that number was three to three and a half when he was looking to sign as opposed to five. So now. But if, the market said he was worth five. So good for him. Like, and if fine. the Canes require him, they're getting him for probably a half a million to a million less than they were willing to sign him for previously to a longer term contract. So they're getting, in the Canes' eyes, this is great value. 
They understand that he can immediately come in and upgrade your upgrade your power play. And if you look at some of the areas this team needs to improve, really the power play is a super big part of it. Um, absence of that during the playoffs it is just going to kill you. We saw that throughout the season. If you can upgrade your power play, I mean, D'Angelo is a big step in the right direction. He's already done it. He's already played the system. He's already proved that he can have offensive impact. We understand that he's not great defensively, but if he's playing sheltered third-pairing minutes where his primary utilization is as a power play quarterback, I have no problem paying a guy You're not losing the million. cup because a guy that plays – 12 minutes a night <laughs> so, yeah, like, no. uh, is a defensive liability. That That's not a real thing. So what he can bring to you on, on the special teams, you know, he's likely your power play two quarterback. Um, that's significant. And I, I know everyone's, this is not to besmirch or you know, drag down Shane Goss despair, but the fact that people are even comparing those two guys, you know, one guy comes here and yes, it's, it's a stint, it's a short stint, um, where he's traded in the middle of the year. He's got to learn the system, all that stuff. But, you know, TDA goes out and produces one of the best offensive seasons in Kane's history. Gostaspier has three points his entire time. You're like, what, what are we even talking? It's, it's a nonsensical. Yeah. Um, and, and two of those were, two of those three points were goals in his first two games. So it's against it's, his it, former team. It's, the worst it's team apples and oranges. And, uh, like I said, that's not to bash ghosts, but they were never going to meet the market value on him. That doesn't mean he's not going to have a useful career going forward. Um, I think Chatfield's already shown that he can play on his offside if that's what end up, ends up happening. Um, but you have a ton of optionality on the back end, which looks like it's going to remain the strength of the Carolina Hurricanes. And unless you have any comments there, I want to continue this theme of talking about defense. Speaking of building on a strength, uh, Canes are rumored, and that's what it gives me doubts. This is actually uh, that there's a ton of credibility to it because it seems like when the big moves happen, um, the notable names in the media, this time it's Pierre Lebrun, don't actually are not actually on until it until it's like, really until it's really close. Generally, I would generally. Say. So the rumor now is that Carolina is in on negotiations for Eric Carlson. Uh, was Monday night awarded his second, second or third Norris Trophy. Multiple. He's got multiple uh, for NHL's best defenseman put up over a hundred points this year. First time that's happened in a number of years. Uh, did all this playing um, on a really, you know, to use your favorite word, putrid yep. team in San Jose. Um, is, is Carolina going to get the boys back together? Him and Burns, are you going to have a reunion? It's a interesting trade to explore. Obviously you're never going to turn down adding a player of his caliber and to think about the combination of him and Slavin potentially, I think if you bring him in, I think there's a really strong likelihood that that means you're losing. Pe I don't think you can run Carlson Pesci Burns on your yeah, right yeah. side. I just don't think that it's works. Too much money allocated to the back end. And in that scenario, what I would assume would happen is they would probably trade Pesci to recoup some of the assets they gave up in the Carlson trade, uh, Burns slides down to your second pairing with Shea. Shea becomes your rental uh, unless uh, San Jose eats more uh, of the salary than they're anticipating. It's rumored they will not eat 50%. So Carolina is going to be hoping instead of getting that uh, retention down into what would cost them on the cap 
five and a half to six. I think it's a little over five and a half. Um, best case scenario is probably around eight. And they do have the cap to make that work. They're pretty flexible. Um, but the way I would view it is that requires probably Pesci going out. Chatfield stays as your right side 3D. And I would assume Tony would not be involved at this point. That's just too much offense and not enough defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to really break it down, I mean, 50% retention is 5.75 million, I think. And that number is not going to be reached. And that number is already more than they're play, paying Slavin and Burns. We know that Burns came in just a hair under Slavin when we made that deal. And we think that was intentional by the Canes front office to keep Slavin as the highest paid defenseman on the team. There's no way around it. If you bring Carlson in, he's going to be the highest paid. Well, that's if, okay. That, that could potentially just be a year. Because yeah. they're going to extend Jacob Slavin, and I would almost guess that where that ends up is just above Carlson, in theory. Yeah, and I agree. And 30% puts you right around $8 million for the next four years. That has Carlson signed until he's about 35, maybe 36. I'm not exactly sure how old he'll be when it expires. I know he's currently 31, but I'm not sure when he turns 32. But... If you can keep that guy healthy, I mean, he's shown that he's been a premier defenseman when he's been healthy and in the right environment. And there's no denying that when players play next to Jacob Slavin, their game elevates. And that's kind of scary to think about is could we see another level to Eric Carlson when he gets to play with one of the best defensive defensemen in the I league. I mean, it's probably the best you know, defensive partner, at least, he's ever had. Um, yeah. It's I just hard to be much a better defender uh, than Jacob Slavin is on his, in his own end. And he's played with good players right. in the past, too, so that's so that's a statement. The concern would be the age. Um, I think he might even actually be a little older. He might be 33. And so the, the term going deep, and I joked with you before we got on um, – is rebranding your back end to be old and expensive to mimic the failed experiment in San Jose. Is, is that the best way forward for this organization? And to me, this just seems like too much of a swing despite the potential ceiling. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to allocate their resources on the trade market um, to the front end. I, I got a feeling D'Angelo was there you know, sixth defender, uh, and maybe that's, you know, me reading incorrectly or uh, the another shoe's going to drop and maybe D'Angelo doesn't end up being here. But I just got a feeling they're going to allocate to the front and it's it's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time. I think they're looking to add a superstar level player. And after missing out on players like Matthew Kachuk and seeing what he was able to do, in the playoffs I mean as much as you hate the guy because he's a rat but at the same time he's a phenomenal player that any team in the NHL would Bro be played with a broken sternum I mean yeah that's I, he's a dog bad man there, there's no <laughs> there's no doubt about it like we can hate the antics and the fake tough stuff he does off after the whistle but he's not fake tough 
tough from that perspective. Right. I mean, he's bad playing dude. with a, a a a crack sternum like that is intense. That, that's legend status, and um, just amazing he even got out there and did that is insane. Um, and then Eichel, yeah, if he, if he was on missed, the team, if he was on the team, I mean, oh, well, then you missed Eichel too. The year we we talked a lot about that one. That was the one that I wanted. You missed Eichel. You missed Kachuk. They played in the Stanley Cup final. It hurts, and the organization has been in on these negotiations, and they have not put together good enough packages to get either of them. So maybe they're at the point where it's they understand that they have the core players to you put that superstar in, and I think that if you keep Eric Carlson happy, I think that superstar can come from the back end if you have players like Svech, Aho, Jarvis, and other guys that yeah, can start. We talked about more. needing to, you know, we wanted last time we recorded. We talked about being a little bit less back end centric, and it's great that that's a strength. Um, maybe Carlson is kind of like the quote unquote final boss to really unlocking the whole thing, though. And you can play from the back end. I, I just want to see the the forwards um, unleashed a little bit more. I think they're they're at their level of development. These are all guys that've been in the league a number of years. And it's just time to um, let them fill up the score sheet a little bit. And um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But, hey, if your philosophy is to build from the back end, it, it's hard to do better than the reigning Norris winner. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that. And it it is interesting because does he unlock your forwards? Does he create just having... Or, or do you become too offensive... Yeah, minded you, on the back end and you never so know. now they're having to play you know more behind the puck and um, but i will say this there i don't know if you're able to catch tolsky's interview and i can't remember what podcast it was now that he was on but it was really insightful to hear his perspective on how deep the analytics go to looking at players and they're able to kind of plug and play and see who maybe is underperforming here that fits our system. And they, they are able to project what they see other players doing and what they do in the Kane system and stuff along those lines. And they have AI that is computing the, 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 data. This is like, the secret sauce. You like know? It, the, what they're getting out of Tolsky is pretty phenomenal. And after like, when you hear the guy talk, like he's – super bright it's there's only just of, it's only a matter of time is what you're telling me it's only a matter of time before he's a, a general manager and whoever gets him is going to be very well off for it and it's one or of those at that scenarios. point do you paper move don and to give him if he's possible i absolutely do and then you keep yeah. tolsky or you know whatever it looks but it, it's they've really through him and others i'm sure uh have been able to identify market uh inefficiencies at a rate where no one else in the league has. And that's how you've been getting got. I hate the cheap thing. I really do. Cause I spend the cap, but that's how you've been able to kind of bargain bin shop and get excess production based on contract value, you know, perpetually. And, you know, it's made notice people don't talk about it negatively anymore. They talk about, it, it's like, ah, Carolina's probably got the right value on this guy. Oh, there goes Carolina going again, buying someone low. Like, and they're going to hit it's now it's respected. Now it's not a Tom Dundon doesn't know what he's doing thing. Because when you do this five years in a row, what three straight division championships, playoff runs, at least to the second round every year, like they're cooking with something. And so um, I'm not going to sit here and 
you know, question it to the degree that I have in the past, sure. although I'm sure that makes uh, for better listening. But, <laughs> but, and then, so to kind of build off that point, it also makes teams in free agency second guess when they're paying significantly more than what Carolina has offered. They have now proven time and time and time again that they've been pretty good at evaluating players and their value. And it, it only benefits the management for the Hurricanes. I mean, it's put them in a really strong position to negotiate. I think you might end up seeing that with the Pesci deal where they understand like the market maybe changes a little bit based on what the Canes value them at. So speaking of the market and player values on, on Canes players, let's kind of start to shape this discussion a different way. We, we've talked extensively on the back end and some potential moves there. Um, but speaking of, you know, Brett Pesci, as we kind of conclude the defensive end and move into other contracts, uh, any projection on what you think that contract could look like? Mm. I don't, I don't you, know. I don't hate to put you on the spot. I'd- see, I mean, I could see it being anywhere from five to eight years. I think the term really dictates what that dollar number is. Uh, the further out the term goes, the lower that AAV will be. I think if it's a five-year deal, I think you're looking at six in that range, somewhere around there, um, maybe maybe a little less. He's just above four now, and he's criminally underpaid, and yep. he knows that. So I think does it? Excuse me, does it start at five and a half? Is that kind of the? I think I think five and a half is probably a good starting number. I think if you get into the six and seven year range, I think down. you're looking at five to five and a half. I think if you get to eight, I think you I think you got to stick around five because eight years. I mean, what is what does he turn? I think maybe I'm guessing he's 29 right now, and you were right. Carlson is 33, so he's 28. But so, I don't know when he turns 29. So yeah, so that's a that's a long contract for injuries so the aav definitely drives down in my opinion now others would others would argue maybe not but i would i would think it does at for least the way at the least canes incrementally negotiate. it should go yeah down. for the way the um, canes negotiate I, I personally i have a hard time believing uh they will go eight with pesci i'm kind of envisioning five times five and a half if he stays i could see him getting six and a half if he's hit, ever hits the market sure. and or if he's traded and signs an extension there. Um, speaking of Kane's extensions, it, it sounds like they're at least close. Uh, I don't think we're going to have the headache and uncertainty around Sebastian Ajo signing an extension. I've heard rumored eight. I don't think you had seen that, so maybe I'm making it up. But according to Third Two Thoughts, it sounds like the expectation is we're not messing around this time. We're going to get it signed. Um, what kind of range are you projecting that in somewhere in the – Barzal range, Matt Barzal. I mean, if if he does eight years, which I think would be a massive win for the Canes, regardless of what the AAV comes to, locking in Aho for eight more years would be a massive win for the organization. Your future captain. I think if you go eight years, I think you're looking around nine and a quarter to nine and a half with a full no move. Probably. And he's going to be only. 34 at the end of I that I think one? so. Somewhere like I close mean, that's, to 34. That's, if you're going to do perfect eight, deal. It's a perfect time. Yeah. 
So, uh, and I think honestly, he could probably tease ten, depending I'll on. I say as long as the first number doesn't start with a one, you know, if, as long as it's not ten, I I'm good with it. I, I think it could happen. I think uh, with the cap not going a, not up, not at eight, could, right? I think it could happen. I think it could happen. I think eight. I think honestly, in his case, he'd probably take a little bit of a haircut to go shorter, knowing that the cap's going to go up and that next yeah, contract I mean, could be big. I, I am waiting for the uh, for star players in the NHL to kind of adopt the NBA model, where yes. players for so long were taking max deals in the NBA, and that's great. Um, but they realized the LeBron Jameses of the world and others that if you just took two year deals. You have higher AAVs, and you can dip and dip and dip. And um, you just got to be a superstar to be do superstar. that. Because if and, you mess up, like, you're losing millions. Like, but also, Matthews is going to be the highest paid player in the league. Yeah, it's because well, he didn't sign the eight year, and he's going to surpass superstar. Exactly. Look at John Klingberg. I think he's estimated to what the last offer Dallas gave him. He's estimated to now lose. 20 million best case scenario so don't throughout do that. the rest of his career. So there's a time to gamble and Ajo is probably a player that could get away with gambling. Klimberg, great, no, great player, especially for a number of years. But I think what we're arguing is maybe players a caliber above that. Uh, right? No, and I agree. I think there's a niche but some where guys you can get away with are going to have a blind spot thinking they are that caliber of player. But I, I do agree with, there's nothing wrong with betting on yourself. Just hopefully you're not John Klimberg in life. Well, and at the end of the day, in this he's, situation. <laughs> he's still making a boatload of yeah, money, I, so I, think I don't I think trade, he's going to cry bank about accounts, it. But, uh, yeah, I don't work. think he's going to cry, but $20 million is a lot of bread. So yeah. I came in a tough. little harsh there. It's okay. He's a great player. Um, so that's kind of the, the last like, rumors uh, on the Canes extensions uh, that we've heard now. Um, I think it's kind of the perfect time to, to pivot right into um, you know, putting Mike on the hot seat Let's talk through the Canes, RFAs, and UFAs. Uh, maybe give me some percentages, and if you want to go even deeper, uh, if you do think they're coming back, uh, what kind of contract terms we're looking at. We're going to put Mike on the hot seat. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right, buddy. Let's start with the uh, only RFA, Yessi Puglia-Yarvi. Was that pretty good? That's pretty good. Wow. yarvi <laughs> I think that's about right. Um, me and, you know, pronouncing European names. Um, RFA, what, what are your thoughts? Is Jesse going to be back? He's an interesting case. I have it at below 50% right now. If he does come back, it's going to be for a million at most on a one-year deal. Yeah, it's not going to be near with that tender number. As a 13th forward, prove it deal. Um, didn't see as much as like we wanted to see from him. I do think that he needs a lot of work. So I think it would be a rush to say that there's no shot of him improving to a, let's just say, a bottom six player. I think he has the potential to still be a bottom six player. I think there's a lot going on in his head in terms of confidence and analyzing the game, and those are two massive factors in performance. There are ultra-talented guys out there that never get to play professional because they don't have the mentality. 100%. And part of that mentality can come from being mismanaged as a prospect. Sure. And, so. and candidly, if he wasn't the former, what, number four overall pick? Yes. We're not even talking about this. No, no, no um, chance. But I do believe this is the perfect incubator for him uh, to rehabilitate his game, um, you know, around some fellow fins in a system that 
you know, especially if he, you know, uses size and play a little heavier um, and do a lot of the things like nuanced things that we didn't see out of him in his brief stint here, uh, which led to him, you know, being healthy scratch in favor of, you know, much less talented guys. Uh, and understandably so. It was the justified move. He shouldn't have been in the lineup. Uh, but I'd like to see him have an offseason, come back on a super team-friendly deal, um, and him taking the, you know, him recognizing that this is probably the best place for me uh, to figure things out. And because um, Rod will bring him along. You know, Rod will do all the right things to develop the player if the player will buy in. And, you know, candidly, there, there's a slot for him. You know, there, there's a fourth-line winger spot that can get him some small minutes uh, and afford him the opportunity to prove himself um, and, like I said, salvage his career. But, you know, I, I don't think we're going to lose a ton of sleep over it. I would like to see him back, but I'm with you. I'm kind of in the camp in the 35 40% range. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of you're taking a gamble on a guy uh, we we picked up one of those guys recently who's really started to round out into a great defensive center in KK, and I'm not saying that that we can expect the same from a Puglia Yarvi or anything like that. I think he's a little bit further gone than KK was when we brought him along. But at the end of the day, I do think there is NHL skill sets there. He's not going to be a guy that scores you goals if he can be willing to do the tough things puck retrieval on the walls get in front of the net play a physical brand of hockey i think there's he can carve out an nhl role for sure 100 so that's the only notable rfa for the canes let's move into ufas um i'll kind of go right off the top it sounds like patches is not coming back um probably 10 percent at best and that's him going out and seeing the market and just deciding hey i want to stay here uh and carolina throwing him a you know prove it deal um unfortunate but you tear your Achilles twice it's it's kind of understandable I mean a big part of it is does he even play again like these are questions that will be answered down the road I don't think anybody is gonna jump at it too aggressively on July 1st um, and if they do they're they're a team that probably isn't competing just because you don't want to burn a roster spot on a guy. And if I'm not mistaken, I think if he signs and then ends up retiring due to injury, I don't think you get cap relief from that or anything. But that's besides the point. It's more of a question of, number one, does he come back? Number two, does he fit in? So we'll see. I agree with you. I think there, the possibility of him returning is is lower than some would expect. I mean, we got a glimpse point. glimpse of it. I, I would have loved to have seen that over the course of 82 games and for him to be that impact goal scorer we know he can be. Um, organizationally, it's just kind of a risk, even at a low term. Um, I would imagine Carolina will remain interested if the market's soft, but if someone out there actively pursues him uh, and gives him something you know above almost a vet minimum type deal, sure. um, I don't think Carolina's going to pursue a match so yeah i mean you also gotta match, be you gotta be also s kind of sad for him 100 getting sent out of vegas essentially as the guy to clear cap tear your killers twice and then watch that team win the cup like that would be Hadn't been a good year that Hadn't would be demoral year. i wouldn't want to retire off that no i don't think he's that's the plan yeah i don't I, but has anyone ever plan or does it happen sure, because you the question is, has anyone medically ever come back from doing this twice? Great question. I, not that I've I don't heard know. of. Um, 
So next, and maybe most pertinent uh, to the 2023, 2024 Carolina Hurricanes, uh, what about our guy, playoff hero, Jesper Faust? So I got him around 55, 60%. I think there's a good chance he comes back. I don't think there's a great chance. He's certainly not a lock. There is interest on both sides, which is a really good starting point. His primary center that he's played with for most of his Hurricanes career is now locked in for the rest of his career. That could be a little point that sways yeah, it a little more. I think more. that helps. I think it helps. So he's got Rod. He's got Stahl. He's got Martinook. He's got guys he's familiar with playing. He has family here now. His family likes the area. It's going to be a question of how high is the market for him in free agency and how low is he willing to drop down from that to stay here as opposed to going somewhere else. I think we would all love to see him return. He is a great third-line winger, does a lot of the little things really well. Rod loves him. Fans love him. So hope to see him back. Definitely not feeling great. I, I feel good in the sense that I think if he comes back, it's going to be a good deal. And I think that's what you got to be excited about. You know, it's kind of what we mentioned in passing with Pesci. It's, hey, if you want the bag, this, it's not going to be here. Um, but I think you highlighted a number of points that are indicators to me that make it more likely than not. Um, he will take a little bit of a haircut to stay. Um, and I think the family comfortability, the player comfortability, uh, knowing his teammates, knowing the market, the coach, all the things. Um, he's carved out a really nice home for himself here. Um, and I'd be a little bit surprised if he's not back. I I'm kind of with you. I'm in the 67% range. Um, that looking like a, did you say how much you thought that would kind of land similar to Jordan Stahl's range? Um, I think it would be, yeah, uh, may, it could honestly any be anywhere from like 2.75 to three and a quarter, honestly, okay. is what I could see it kind of shaping out. Three and out a half as. on the market? Yeah, I, th I would think three and a quarter would be kind of like the market range. He's not going to get Nino money. Um, so I'm thinking three and a half would be a stretch. He doesn't have the offensive tools that Nino has, and they're kind of similar in the, a lot of the other regards. So I think 3.5 would be high. I think three and a quarter would be Do high. deal? I think two or three year deal. I think okay. he's looking for a little bit of certainty. I think two would be the bare minimum. Three is probably three or four is probably what he's targeting to be. To right. be honest and, with and you, and he should be asking for that. I mean, no, absolutely. Um, he hasn't been a high earner throughout his career. You got to take care of the family. So, but thirty one years old, yeah, three years seems about the max for me. Two or three years feels oh, uh, for sure. You know, two perfect. Three you can eat. Four is probably bridge too far. If, if the Nino market was only there for two years, I have a really hard time imagining that there's going to be a heavy three- or four-year market for him. For sure. All right. Um, I think we can kind of lump the – well, we can lump the next two together. Uh, Snaz, Stasny and Stepan, um, both older guys later in their career. Um, I think maybe for Stepan it's – Stepan might not be in the I think NHL, they might retire. Yeah, which, and, and there's no disrespect to him. They both had great careers. Yeah. Been a fantastic player. Honestly, would be okay with him coming back as the 13th forward. A role if, that he mentioned he was open to. And what is what he thought he was doing this year and ended up playing a lot more minutes than he expected. Um, but if, if you move to a younger guy with more ceiling, 
as your 13th in a pull you Yarvi or something like that. Or if you choose to have Stasny, if he's willing to accept that role. I mean, these are Stasny and Stepan are both guys that could decide it's time to hang it up. It sounds like Stepan still has an appetite to keep playing, but there weren't people calling last year, which is the reason he came back as a 13th. I have a hard time imagining that will change drastically this offseason. It's going to come down to whether Stasny wants to play. I think there's a higher probability that the team would be interested in bringing Stasny back. Over I've also heard that even if he doesn't retire, and you know, not that Carolina wouldn't be interested, I think he's kind of out. I think he wanted a change. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I um, haven't read too much about it but I, I and I could totally be misquoting here but I want to say it's you know closer to home type deal uh wants to get back to uh Canada potentially end up there and yeah. kind of and fade that's off. totally fine too um but we'll see I, I think lower probability what 25 percent or lower on both of them absolutely yeah um so next last forward Mac Mac McKinney McKenzie McEachern um playoff savant <laughs> came out of nowhere uh, to jump right in the Canes uh, lineup uh, during the, gosh, was that the Islanders series? Did he come in? Yeah, he scored yeah, two goals. So. Um, that screams two-way deal, you know, minimal money guy that you can depend on to throw into your lineup, but you don't necessarily want to. Yeah, I think unless a team decides to take a shot on a one-year NHL deal at league minimum, I think that there's a good chance he's back with the Hurricanes. The main issue being the fact that we don't have an AHL affiliate and that our AHL players are going to be kind of spread out. There's no certainty. It's not like I'm either going to be in Chicago or I'm going to be in Carolina. You could literally be anywhere. So that makes me wonder about these guys that could potentially be two-way players. So with that being said, I think there's a 50-50 chance that he's back with the Canes. And either way... I'm not super bothered by the result of that one. Yeah, I'm with you there. So we, we've kind of gone full circle, uh, done a pretty deep dive into defense, you know, working through trade and UFA targets in that regard, moving through uh, internal moves. Uh, the last two pertinent names on the uh, list of potential internal re-signees are the goalies. And we, we feel pretty stable with a, a number two, 1B, whatever you want to call Piotr Kachekov, signed for another four years at a $2 million AAV. Um, but his running mates, uh, Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta, both UFAs, do you project either to be back? And, and kind of talk me through where you are at with uh, these guys and their standing with the Hurricanes. So we'll start with the fact that Waddell has mentioned the potential of running three goalies next year. I don't love that idea. I understand that Anderson and Ranta are both injury prone players. Um, so I can understand maybe wanting to have it, both of them back. But at the same time, if that's how you feel, I'd almost rather you go get somebody that you're not worried about getting 100%. injured. And to me, it feels like posturing in, during negotiations. But I think the most critical point um, you touched on you know, a few moments ago um, Kane's uncertain with their AHL affiliate um, and Kachekov's money is going to count whether he's playing in the A or in, in the National. So um, I don't view them carrying three goalies and wanting to pay for three goalies. Um, 
I think Kane Sneaky could be on the trade market here. There's a lot of big names out there. Uh, you're not hearing much traction on Gibson or Hellebuck right now, but I think both are very much available. Not that Carolina would swing that high, um, but I don't see them overextending extending themselves uh, to bring, bring back either of these guys. My guess, I don't know how you feel, I would be 50-50 on Freddie. I, I don't think Auntie Rata's back. Yeah, I think, I think Freddie has it a decent chance to be back he's obviously expressed interest in returning i think ranta has probably 30 35 percent chance of being back and that only Father stems Finn. it only stems from having the three goalie tandem which i am on record with you not agreeing with it i think it's the year where you need kachetkov to see 30 35 games and really take that next step in his career i think he's ready i think he showed it last year when he was called to step in i think he needs another shot at at having consistent playing time in the nhl and i think he is ready for that he's mentioned it in his interviews in the limited english that he can speak that he wants to be in raleigh that he wants to be in the nhl this is what he wants so I would like to see it as an opportunity for him to play on the hellebuck front not to get too off target i don't see that as a canes deal because what it sounds like he wants to re-sign at eight years at vasilevsky money i just don't don't see the carolina i mean they've proven that we we often i completely agree with you on hellebuck but the other name that i mentioned was we've talked about gibson for how many years have we done this (laughs) we are gibson guys here um does that not seem like the ultimate canes move though buy low on a guy with superstar ability who's had for injury or whatever reason not withstood the same level of play on a lackluster team no i put him in this system that that guy can still be a tough five goal in the league i would take a chance i would take a chance on the cost has gone way down it's gone down since they first started inquiring i still think it'll be a little more just because the goal like there just aren't a lot of goalies out there that drive value yeah Yeah, so i mean i he'll still cost it won't be free i can tell you that right now it won't be free um but hey i would be we've said it for years there's players we've talked about for years he is one one of of them and i would be happy with that move um but But you've heard rumors that for the first time both gibson and the organization are open to it that being anaheim um obviously new front office within the past couple of years, it seems like that division is in their window is not anywhere aligned with his. Um, this could just be kind of that situation where you're not hearing a ton of buzz on it, but he's the kind of guy similar to like the patches or burns trades last year where you're like, we could be sitting here in a couple of weeks going, well, for this one, we could say, damn, yeah, we got that one right. But uh, there will be someone that will cause us to say that uh, heading to Raleigh this offseason. I'd almost guarantee it. Hopefully yeah. Gibson's one of them, but and Gibson we'll is 29 years old, 6.4 million dollar cap hit for the next four years. Do it, and you know the Canes will, they'll get that retention. Give, yeah, they'll get a little take it off the top. <laughs> Just take a little 10 to 20 percent off that for us. No, I, I I do think it it could be something that happens. I will say this: the Canes already know if it's something that will work for the organization. They have the data that shows what his strengths and weaknesses are, and you can immediately pair that up to see if it matches the Kane system. There's a lot more that goes into picking goalies than just, oh, this is a good goalie. There aren't 
many goalies that are going to do the same in every system. And those are your Hellebucks, your Vasilevskis, your superstar goalies. But we used to think of him in this regard before Definitely. the past no, two or three years in 100%. percent. But those those other guys have done it longer and yes, yes I agree. And even like in Hellebuck's team. been on bad teams, bad teams as well. So at the end of the day, the Canes know if he's a fit. And if he's a fit, I would I would be shocked if they don't go after him, to be quite honest with you. I mean, that's right up your alley. Four years lines up exactly with yep. Kachekov's deal. You're probably paying him five and change, and Kachekov too. That's in your in your six to eight range. I mean, it makes too much sense. We get so many of these wrong, so hopefully we didn't curse it. Oh, but, but there's a you were on a bit of a heater last year at one point, so we'll, we'll get back to that. I, I have faith. It comes um, and goes. It's it, like well, Vegas. I mean, Vegas to always be fair, wins. E- even if you're hitting, <laughs> well, they did this year. Um, <laughs> True. You know, even if you're hitting at a you know marginal rate when you're prognosticating on the Canes, you're doing a hell of a job. Yeah, so sure. hats off to you there, uh, and that's why people come to the podcast. But, um, yeah, I'd love to see John Gibson here. Um, obviously, I, as I said before, I fully anticipate there will be something completely off the board right now that, that no one's even discussing, and you're yep. going, you know, Max, Max Pacioretty 2.0, but hopefully healthy, you know, yeah. comes in here – that's exactly what Carolina needs. Boom, boom, boom. Impact player in the lineup. Uh, deep playoff run. And or that's my mindset. Absolutely nothing, which would also be shocking. We're going to oh, be shocked. Would, I think that would be more shocking. I, th- I think there's a guarantee that we're going to be shocked. Hopefully, it's the fun kind of shocked. Do you think if they don't spin to the cap, Tom Dundon will invest in the podcast instead? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who would? That's, what else would he do with that $20 million? He can open up that nice little gambling center right next to PNC Arena and put our office on the top floor. I'm all in. <laughs> all right, boss. Um, any final thoughts? I mean, we've kind of run the whole race. Uh, let's touch on the draft real quick. Um, yeah. I don't want to speak for you, so tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think either of us anticipate Carolina actually picking at number 30 tomorrow night. Yeah, whether they or trade back or down, or yeah, whether they trade back or use it to acquire a player, I hope we don't draft in the first round. I'm hoping that because number one, I do like the philosophy of a thirty. What what, what are we picking? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. I'd rather pick at forty-one and forty-five. Well, you're getting the same tier of player. And yeah, I like two assets. swings. Yep. I like two swings at that. So. If that's the case, I wouldn't mind. Tra- I have no problems trading out of the first round, but I would prefer to see it traded for something, something of value. Now. Now. We made the decision before hopping on here that we weren't going distru- to discuss prospects because, you know, we're in the the Canes are in the envious position of whoever they if they were to even draft at thirty or forty or whatever. These are not these are names you need to familiarize yourselves with. Um, but think we were not in a prospect monitoring show mode uh, because the team's in is a contender. And so yeah. anybody that they would draft, you wouldn't see for another three to five years. Um, and we have plenty of time to talk about that before they'd impact us here in Raleigh. Um, it's going to be exciting. I, I always love following the draft. It's kind of a inflection point for moves and deals. There's going to be a lot happening. You already saw uh, what New Jersey traded for Topoli. Uh, yep. LA traded for uh, Dubois. Dubois. Like it's yep. been an exciting day. This is just kind of where it's starting. Um, but yeah, uh, Carolina 
I'm not even sure it'll be tomorrow. That typically hasn't been their inflection point other than trading down. They stay uh, focused on the draft, uh, and then they do their damage uh, July 5th on, typically, is when it happens. Yes. Yeah, so um, We'll yeah. see. Yeah, so, yeah, draft, see what happens there. And then, obviously, free agency opens up. We'll probably record after July 1st. We'll see what how it all shakes out. It may be post free agency major moves or not yeah, I mean, we'll just kind of see uh gosh i guess we should we're, we're packing so much into this uh we did write up some names for free agency uh but really what we came back to was at market value cost these guys are all it's a super weak class these guys are unlikely to end up in raleigh and the reason we'd say we wouldn't record before july 1st is Carolina's not going to be active that day. Not not for these guys. Not for the guys that are no. quote-unquote high end of even this lesser class. Uh, but to drop some names uh, of the goalies, looking at Corpusalo, Varlamov, and Jari are kind of the headliners. Um, on the back end, there's not a ton. Maybe our guy John Klinberg comes here mm-hmm. and proves me wrong. And, Don't uh, think so. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, forwards, there, there are a few names. Uh, but once again, Carolina's just not going to be playing in that price pool uh, most notably, uh, Barbashev, maybe Comfer, but it sounds like he'll go back to Colorado and be, be there two slash three C after the Johansson trade. Uh, obviously, Bunting's appealing guy that can play with a little edge to him, and and the big names or the big traditional names, uh, Kane and uh, Vladdy Tarasenko. Hey, they're not coming to Raleigh, so not likely. Not like it. Tarasenko more likely them. than Kane. Yeah, um, not, and not these guys are looking pay. for one last payday. So we totally get that. Uh, like I said, we didn't want to completely overlook the UFA market. It's just not something that applies here. Uh, look for Kane's to be highly active on the trade market. You're already hearing them rumored a bunch of things as we ref- referenced, and we're just getting started. Yep, and I think. It's exciting. I think there's a lot of stuff that could happen this offseason. I think we say that pretty much every offseason, but well, this this one we're not going to it like dour and all like pissed off. Like, no, the, yeah. hey, the, even with an injured team, they met my preseason expectations. They made yep. the Easter Conference final. I will never be upset about that. It was a great run. There's some uh, variance in hockey, and I think if you're healthy, you make an argument that you're probably the best team in the East in the end. Yep. Um, especially after Florida knocked off Boston. So. You're right there. I, I think healthy, you knock, you know, maybe those one goal games flip in the other direction. But hey, I, I hate to be redundant, but the organization has earned some semblance of trust here. And yeah, I just have full faith at this point because um, even when I've disagreed with them and their moves have gone awry or whatever, in the end, the the cohesive project project comes together and they put a winner on the ice for us. And that's all we want to see. Yeah, no armchair GM has ever won a Stanley Cup, so. <laughs> they, they don't put the podcast on the cup? No, unfortunately. All right, buddy, any last final thoughts? That's it. Excited for the offseason. All right, y'all, talk to you soon.